Listen, players. <laughs> You're listening to the Movement, Strength and Play podcast by the School of Calisthenics. Here are your hosts, Tim and Jacko. Well, you know, we like to keep the variety at the Movement, Strength and Play podcast. And this week is one of those examples where we want to talk about the bigger rocks that you want to get sorted in your life before you worry about whether you can do a muscle up or all those sorts of things that we sometimes can sort of spend a lot of time thinking about. And this week, we are super excited to welcome Charlene Giselle, who is a coach and consultant, and her mission is around personal and professional life optimization. She's a wonderful orator, which is, means that she speaks beautifully. She's French, easy to listen to. This one is going to be an absolute dream. Yeah, if you are, we talk about... Yeah, the, the dangers of burnout, but the, the things to look out for that if you are uh, if you are engaging in that type of like mindset, feeling anxiety, levels of stress that we've all developed and, and, and felt at times during this last sort of well, since the start of uh, the, that global pandemic. And um, you know, she got some great um, takeaways, simple things that you can put in place, th- things to look out for. Um, very encouraging and very sort of uh, practical things throughout this that um, you're going to be able to utilize. Hopefully, the big thing for us is like, take take some notes as you go so you can start to take action. Um, it's one of the questions I actually ask her about, like, how do we make sure that we do take action from these things? And um, so you've got that to look out for uh, and enjoy in the, in this week's podcast. And if you, once you've got your big rock sorted and you've optimized your personal and professional life and you want to go out and take action, you might want to find your way to our training programs, which you can do online at classroom.schoolofcalisthenics.com. There's a ton of stuff in there. If you want to get into calisthenics training, if you want to change your workout for body composition, we've got, she talks about nutrition. We've got a whole course around that for you. There's so much stuff in there. We would love it if you just go and check it out. You can get seven days free on any of the membership packages to check it all out. No obligation. Come and have a look around. And we'd love it if you want to stay for a while and engage in, with the community and help us to help you to explore your physical pension physical pension physical potential jacko i've got a physical pension on the mind well the thing is after you've listened to this podcast you're not you, you're going to have the tools to stop yourself from burning out you're going to be you're going to be less stressed you're going to be happier and then you're going to be like yeah you know what i am going to go and do go, go, go and do that muscle up or that handstand or that thing that i thought was impossible you're going to be redefining impossible because you're going to be stress-free carefree just loving life um so sit back relax enjoy charlene giselle it's probably about as close i'm butchering much more in the actual introduction with that um on the movement strength and play podcast roll that jingle So we have ja- Charlene Giselle, I mean, that's me having butchering your beautiful French name, but welcome to the podcast and you can do a, a re-pronunciation. I just always have to have a crack at people's names. Thanks, um, Welcome I to think, the podcast. <laughs> I think you did well. Thank you so much for having me on. So you said it almost perfect. It's Charlene Giselle. <laughs> ah, bonjour, bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited to be on and uh, super excited to talk to you. <laughs> yes, we, um, it's been, uh, it, we're really looking forward to delving into um, some things that we've, uh, that we've never talked about before. And a lot of our listeners are um, 
in this, you know, in in a in a professional environment where, like the in in terms of work life and and we're busy and and, and things are stressed and often we don't find ways to slow down and we don't find ways and haven't got tools to to really look after ourselves and we're big on. Um, the physical pension. We've done a whole series on this. People, uh, the listeners will, will will know all about our um, passion for in, in encouraging people to invest in their physical pension. And you know, we're thinking about that in the in the physical realm. But we're really interested to hear from you the stuff that you're doing within the corporate world and your own experience um, of that and how you're helping people. But just of so course. the listeners can have a little bit of a uh, an overview, like just uh, give us a bit of a, a quick sort of whistle stop tour or. Uh, introduction uh, to yourself and some of the experience that you got? Well, for first thing I would say is it uh, it takes one to know one, right? So the reason I'm so passionate about burnout is because I had to go through a burnout myself and, and came out the other way and made it, made it my, new, my new purpose, my new life mission. So uh, I'm a lawyer by trade. I uh, practiced in the city of London, working at top American law firm um, and really burned the candles at both hands, if we can say that. I was working really hard. I was absolutely in love with my job and my colleagues and my clients, but um, I overdid it. I overdid it. I wasn't looking after my physiology. I took my health for granted, Um, was pulling in all-nighters and all the rest of it. Um, And it just sort of hit me quite hard. I was exhausted, I wasn't eating optimally, and then um, the catalyst for the change was to have to go through my dad's stroke and heart attack and realize that, you know, if you spend the whole of your career accumulating wealth, but then you spend the whole rest of your life spending that wealth on trying to fix your health you Mm. haven't really mastered the art of living Uh, Mm. so it it was a bit of um, traumatic experience but I do believe that um, you know there is there is beauty in pain in 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 a way because it can lead you onto a new path so I left my corporate world I left my uh, beloved legal career and I decided to set off and travel the world Um, I went to India, Nepal, Bali, Arizona, Greece, uh, everywhere I could think of to try and collect as much information on ancestral wisdom and on how I could heal myself, but also become the coach that I wish I had when I was a lawyer and have a blueprint that I could teach my client as to how they can do what they love to do, aka their legal or executive world, but do it in a sustainable manner. Sure. Yeah. When I'm interested, just before we dive into what you do now and, and that sort of the, the, the really interesting story around all of that, let's just dial back to that burnout phase because I think it's a topic at the moment which is probably... Well, if people don't know about it, they might be experiencing it and not knowing it. Um, it's something Absolutely. I've had a couple of times in my career before, and it's particularly unpleasant. It, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Um, just talk a little bit about like, what you were feeling and, and um, what people might be experiencing if they're close to burnout. Yeah. Because f- for me, one of the particular things that I was found that I found difficult was was investing a huge amount of passion, energy, intention to something, mm-hmm. and, and then not seeing the 
or, or sort of not, not having the emotional return that you're expecting. It didn't really quite turn out as you expected to, uh, it to, to be. And, and that's something which kind of was a catalyst for me. Was that at all similar to your situation or was it yours literally just kind of like you redlined it for too long and the body said, I can't do this anymore? Well, it was a combination of both. So I, I like to think of burnout as a sort of a 12 step process. And I say that because I've noticed it to be the case. So the sort of phase one, if you want to call it that, is an excessive drive or a sort of type A ambition, right? You think you're going to take over the world and you get overly excited, which in itself <laughs> is not bad in a sense, right? But you do do too much. So that's step one. Then step two, you're going to push yourself. You're going to have that work harder instead of work smarter mentality. So you get influenced by your peers and you just work harder and harder. And then the yeah, third I, was, I was laughing because I'm like, yep, that's, yep. Yeah. And then, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm starting to get worried if we keep uh, yeah. ticking these off. <laughs> the third step is you neglect your needs. What I mean by that is you sacrifice your sleep, you sacrifice food, you sacrifice, uh, and, and you guys are going to laugh, but I used to sacrifice going to the loo. Like I would not drink so that I would not need to pee so that I wouldn't miss a client's call. I know this is ridiculous, right? But it's, yeah. it's, it's the truth. I have done that. So sacrificing and neglecting your own basic physiological needs and anyone out there listening thinking that sleep is a luxury is widely mistaken. <laughs> we need our sleep. And it's not something that we can deny, right? Our bodies need it. So that's step three. Um, Step four would be having that conflict in your head. So you acknowledge on the one hand that you're pushing it to the max, but you kind of defer that blame to someone else. So you go, okay, it's my job's work. Oh, it's just industry standard. Oh, everyone else is doing it. So you're kind of becoming cognizant, but you normalize it because it's part of the peers culture. So that's a very, very uh, important step, and that's very common. Uh, So you have that sort of displacement of conflict. The fifth step is you have no time for non-work-related needs, meaning you're going to start neglecting your loved ones. If you have a pet, you might need to get uh, someone to, ha- to be hired to take care of your pet. Uh, you start to notice that there are conflict in your marriage or with your spouse. Uh, you hire more and more help for your children. Um, and you just neglect your most beloved people. As much as you don't want to, you normalize it once more because you think that's the sacrifice. Step six is denial, right? So you just don't want to admit that there is something that's going on that um, is not serving you. So you don't want to take responsibility for some of the behavior. You keep blaming others. You start to feel a little bit um, a sort of overburdening of life. You're not that fulfilled. Then uh, you're going to go through step seven, which will be a sort of uh, withdrawal. So you begin to actually withdraw yourself from the loved ones and you get extra focused on that work. But it's a bit of a vicious circle, right? Because you get more focused and more withdrawn. Then eight will be some serious behavior changes. So you're going to have either anxiety, panic attacks, you're going to start to feel fatigued, you're going to maybe take extra supplementation, 
extra coffee, you're going to start soothing your needs by new habits that you didn't have before. So you start noticing that you're taking sleeping pills or you're taking extra espressos. You just adopt new habits that feel a bit foreign to you, but you feel you have to. Um, And then the step nine is probably one of the least fun at all. You just start to lose control of your own life. You know, you feel like you're having a bit of a robot life. You don't really know if it's your own, but a bit like a train that's on a rail, you kind of robotize and and become a bit sort of automatic. You sort of go on, you almost switch your brain off and you just keep going and you still still grinding, right? And then... Then 10 is you feel completely anxious, completely depleted, exhausted, uh, mentally, you have more and more anxiety. Then step 11 would be uh, depression. Uh, You actually don't enjoy the things that you used to enjoy. Um, And then the last step would be the physical collapse. Um, So you're going to have that experience at a physical and somatic level and that's usually when you wake up. <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of people that would listen to that and, and started ticking them off like a checklist. Um, because I think that's, that, that is a, what's scary about that is that is the way that we work these days. That is almost what's can be very much expected. And like you say, if you're a sort of type A person that wants to go out and get after life and, and you throw yourself into your career, society and culture will just pull you into that. And it's almost like you've got to be super intentional and aware of, the signs, the traps and the dangers of it to, to avoid it. Because if you don't, you just get pulled along in the slipstream, right? And you just, and everybody's, everybody's wound up tight. Everyone's burning out. And it's, it's, um, I think I, when I talked to my dad about things, my dad was a, was an accountant for his career. And, and he, he says to me, like, I don't envy you being in a career now because he goes, I, when we used to write letters, I, I had a week before somebody would reply to me because I had to put it in the post and blah, blah, blah. He's like, now, nah, like you guys have got to do everything instantly. You never get mm. to switch off. It's a, mm. it's a crazy time when you take a step back and you think about what you just said. I, there's so many people that I know that are experiencing some, if not many of those, of those things. Right. And, 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 you know, the, the sort of really the definition of the burnout is that it's not just stress. I think people get a little bit confused because stress can be healthy. You can get stronger by stress. A little dose of stress is excellent. It's the chronic exposure to heightened state of stress and anxiety. And it's, it's the word chronic here that is important because you don't burn out if you rest and release, right? Um, but you burn out if you stress without rest and release. So it's that yeah. chronic accumulation without rest and release. And, um, and, and, and with, with the utmost neglect of your physiological need, that's the other thing um, that I find really uh, astonishing is wherever we look, whether it's top university, uh, top work, top career, the most intelligent people that I've ever been lucky to meet know so much and do so much and yet lack basic understanding of their physiological need. And I include myself in those people, by the way. That's me a few years ago. I had no clue. I had no clue what I needed. I, I didn't even think of health and what's sad is if you don't think about your body your body will make itself known to you 
via big massive red flag and that can be a burnout that can be a stroke that can be you know a cardiovascular incident i know those are big words but they're very yeah. common right and yeah. um if you don't listen preemptively your body is gonna make sure that you hear it loud and clear when it's already you know been been exhausted and been depleted so i really am a firm believer that prevention is better than cure but sadly i have to say that most of my clients come to me after what i call a big event big event mm. being that you know that sort of being forced to acknowledge and notice your body yeah and so like understanding our body and understanding ourselves and we talk about that a lot um from a training perspective like understanding the what are the triggers and also what are the signs to look out for i, I imagine is like going to be there's going to be some individual sort of differences on those types of things but if we're trying to give people some some help before they get to that point of like complete self-destruction sure. um like uh, one Warning. thing that sort of springs mm -hmm. to mind when you're talking about a lot of it a lot of the time it's that i think that there's a a slight misconception of like what stress is and we only have like or often we'll have like a one-dimensional um view of what stress is and not understand um these like sort of low level stresses that just keep us a little bit in that sort of like fight or flight response and never give ourselves um the chance to to switch out of that and as you say to say like there's times when stress is is it can be a good thing because it's not just this one dimensional element to it. it can just are you happy to just expand a little bit on that for to just to give absolutely, people context absolutely. so they can start to like go okay for me what does that look like and then yeah. we'll, and then it'd be great to talk about some of the things that you know the simple practices you you would you'd help people with to, to stop course. them getting to that point so i'll give some context um so if if you start to notice that you become a bit more irritable in a chronic manner um that will be a bit of an orange flag and if if you start to notice that you actually don't remember the last time you used your body, uh, what I mean by that is you became completely sedentary. I like to call that the sort of uh, mm. <laughs> human zoo syndrome where you become an indoor animal, right? We're not really meant to be desk bound and sat yeah. at a chair for 12 hours at end in front of blue lights that are artificial. So if I remember my days, I would be literally sat down for hours at end and my only move will consist of going to the coffee machine and back at my desk. Um, and if that's your case, um, then, you know, you might want to consider uh, tracking your steps and making sure that you move on a regular basis, right? Doing some ankle rise, doing a little bit of stretching, going for a long walk and your exposure to nature. Have you become sort of indoor bound? What I mean by that is... When is the last time you went into the cold or into the heat or into the rain? When's the last time you took off your shoes? Those are things that are so important to look at. Although they might be simple, they're not easy to mm. implement when you're living the high corporate lifestyle, right? So Yeah, they keep us, they help us. They, 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 those things help us stay connected to, like, to life, to the world. But And I think that when you when you can stay a bit more connected it, it helps you stay a little bit more connected to yourself rather than that just sort of uh, uh, that's just those just some words that spring to mind for me when you're talking about this of like almost being disconnected from 
really from reality in a way. Yes, absolutely. Because we do tend to forget that as human being, nature is our natural habitat, not Mm. being indoor <laughs> we, yeah, we, yeah. We it's, funny. And it's funny to think isn't it like not living in a, a nice warm house actually isn't normal even though it is the norm now no it's not noise sitting down so you know there are small <laughs> ch- changes like right now i'm talking to you from a standing desk um it was it is pouring down rain but i made sure i spent actually an hour outside in the rain um because you know what i'm not gonna melt <laughs> So it's those little changes, right, that might Mm. seem small in nature, but they're huge in terms of their compounding effect when you incrementally adopt those changes on a daily daily, um, basis. And the other red flag um, is when you start to rely on your main source of stress for pleasure. So let me give you a bit of context. If you get stressed and agitated by your phone, email, laptop, yet when you're seeking release, you also go to that phone or computer, Mm -hmm. something has gone really, really wrong indeed. So if you start pattern recognizing the fact that you reach out for the specific stressor for release... That's a bit of something that you need to look into. Likewise, if you've gained weight because you haven't moved and you start raiding the cupboard for release, so effectively your stressor, aka excessive food, becomes your release, aka emotional eating, that's also something that needs to be addressed quite rapidly. It's some, it's some, yeah, I'm, I'm just, there's a, there's a lot of thoughts going through my mind of, um, around the stuff you're talking about, Charlene. So I think it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. In you're not sat down of, eating chocolate, are you, Tim? <laughs> I've actually been, I actually moved inside, like I, I've, I've got a standing desk, but I've been at it all day and I thought I'd come and sit and have a chat with you this, uh, this afternoon. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know, where do we go now? I, I think it's, for, for me, it's, I'm interested to get your, get your, get your thoughts and suggestions on how do we how do we break away from it because if mm-hmm. it's if we are in this cycle of reaching for a phone which stresses us out or a laptop or we can't get away from our desk to go for a walk I mean I think lockdown and has been something for me which has been a massive challenge like if I have to be super intentional about moving and getting out for a walk and taking time out of my day where you can mm-hmm. kind of get trapped in the busyness and especially because we work at home you get up I've got um, I've got some kids so we sort of sort them out but then it's like right get on it and, and get this get get, get the, mm-hmm. the day going mm-hmm. to take a break from that laptop to go mm-hmm. and spend an hour doing a training session or we, we take my walk my boy down to school so that I don't I just that's like just a bit of movement for the day mm-hmm. but it's it's really really difficult to do how do you help people to kind of break the cycles that sure. they get stuck in I think that's a beautiful question. Well, the first step is really acceptance, right? Acceptance and awareness, they kind of work together. You need to become cognizant. Now, if you don't become cognizant on your own, oftentimes a loved one or working with someone like a coach or a consultant can be really helpful to make you aware that something needs to be changed. You can't really implement any changes if you're not aware of the fact that there is a need for change in the first place. So awareness and acceptance... And commitment to make a change are really, really important. And then the next thing is aligned action, right? So you don't want to just be cognizant at an intellectual level, which, by the way, 
um, type A, very successful executive, very successful business-minded people love to do, right? We, and I include myself, so we over-intellectualize and we go, okay, yes, I'm cognizant of it, yay, and then you don't take aligned action, right? So what you need to do is sort of a twofold. So you need to be aware, but then you need to align your action. By taking aligned action, you change your patterns of behavior progressively. Now, the best way to do that is not to trust yourself. <laughs> what I mean by that is uh, willpower really is not to be relied on because we have a limited amount every day. So we need to use tools and techniques whereby we're going to rely on discipline rather than willpower. So what I do with my client is I make sure that they do that one thing that they dread to do the most first thing. So it doesn't matter what time you wake up. If you know you have a tendency to be sedentary all day long, you nail it. First thing you do in the morning is you go for a walk. It's going to make you feel successful because you've done that and you've achieved it. So you can feel that sort of, you know, excitement that you've done something successfully to start your day. And B, you're actually going to perform at your work in a better way because you would have been... Uh, receive more oxygen, you would have been getting some movement in and you would have given your brain a bit of a release. So it's about really having incremental but very committal changes to your day. And for busy people, the best thing to do that is actually to schedule it, right? I always say if you fail to schedule, you're scheduling to fail. So have it have it in your schedule, book it as an appointment, right? And make it as important a commitment as if, as if it was a meeting with your best customer. Yeah, and it's I've like, um, Tim, we had a conversation literally the other day about um, a, uh, like a training session um, and using the context of that for, for people that, uh, well, well, this will resonate with Tim. Um, where you were saying, I can't remember exactly what the sets were, but maybe you'd said you were going to do 10 sets of a certain series oh, yeah. of things, and you were like, oh, because I've written it down, I had to do it. And I'm, and I was semi thinking, like, yeah, but you don't have to. Like, yeah, I got to four, that... and I was like, I don't want to do any more. But because yeah. I said I was going to do it, I was like, I'll see it through. But I, I think when you, when you know you've got, but when you, when you, when you then, like this, the self awareness piece, I would say, I'm sure Shalyn will, 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 will tell me if I'm right or wrong, but to go like self awareness, go, okay, that's actually something that I've got. I can, that can potentially be used as a real strength for me, or as, or it probably could be also be used as a real, weakness but probably the chances are if you write that down in your schedule or you or you you plan that thing in then you're definitely going to do it because you've just because you've in your head it's like well when i said i'm going to do it i'm going to do it um so you can probably use you know people that have those types of tendencies we can use that to our to our advantage absolutely you can you need to schedule it and and it's also very important right to shift the mindset around self-discipline because a lot of my clients and a lot of people that I work with have this kind of, and I say this with all my love, because again, I was one of those. So this is really, uh, this is a really compassionate thing that I'm going to say. But we have a tendency as grown adults to think that self-discipline is a form of punishment, uh, when in fact, self-discipline is the ultimate act of self-care and self-love, right? Mm. But if yeah. you have mental resistance with the use of the word discipline, that's something that needs to be looked into because discipline is actually the ultimate source of freedom. What I mean by that is if you don't have physical 
physiological, biological routine discipline, your body will catch you up. No one is free when they're sick, right? And that's just uncomfortable to say. And a lot of people are in denial about that. But again, I can tell you that when I was sick and I was so burnt out that I couldn't get out of bed, I most definitely wasn't free. So true freedom is actually mastering the art of being disciplined enough that your body can keep doing what you want it to be and and, and let it serve you, not be enslaved by a rhythm that is not self-serving, right? So you need to sort of raise up to the level of embracing discipline. Yeah, I, I really like that. Um, one thing I wanted to to just pick up on is you talked about the self-awareness and, and something that I've sort of looked into before and I've, I've often tried to sort of tweak my my life around is this idea of um, like where your energy is going to be best utilized throughout the day. So if it's first thing in the morning, that's when you feel super energetic, like shifting your day so that you do your best work in those times and you're not doing your admin when actually you're in your most creative state or, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you, you sort of support people around that? Because I kind of thinking that one thing I find quite difficult say I if I put a schedule um, a session in my diary workout for example say three o'clock in the afternoon it's typically the time where I probably don't feel my best I'm probably a little bit sluggish so getting away from my computer and going into a workout and then trying to get ramped up for a workout mm-hmm. is not always that easy I'm probably better off in the morning so start early do some of the work that I want to do get my brain going and then sort of train later on in the morning when I, st- when I feel quite energized. Is that, mm. a, is that a good strategy to, 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 to utilize? You think of not being stuck on like a nine to five, this is how everybody has to work. So my answer to that uh, might be a bit unconventional, but it's actually to, um, to work out what you try to do the most and what you're most susceptible to skip and do that one thing first whichever time that is. So I don't like to give like very fixed timing to my clients because everybody has different um, needs in terms of when they, they, they wake up. But whatever that one thing you know you chronically forget to do, nail it first. So for instance, you mentioned the 3 p.m. workout. I think 3 p.m. in the middle of the day um, is, is, you know, probably for most people recipe for not doing it in the sense that you you hit that mid-afternoon crash, you will get a bit of, uh, you know, depletion because you're digesting your lunch, you're not quite there for dinner, you already pulled in perhaps five to six hours of work, so you want to get a bit of a rest and release. So what I always say is, be really honest with yourself and write down that non-negotiable item that you know you're going to probably fail to do and do that one thing as soon as you wake up. So you can play games and I, I think that a powerful way to do whatever it is that needs to get, be done is to actually gamify it a little bit. Um, we all love games, right? It, it connects us to our inner children. So I'll give you a very concrete example. I love my coffee. I'm a big coffee lover. And uh, I have a tendency to get up and just reach out for my coffee, right? But I know that's not serving my optimized day routine. So I play games with myself. I literally put my running shoes in between my bed and my coffee machine. And I will put them like little stones, you know, on a path where like basically I cannot reach my coffee if I don't put my shoes on. And I just play those little games or I'll have a reminder stone by my 
by my bedside table or I'll put a journal underneath my coffee cup. So basically, I play games with myself to know that whatever it is that I'm not likely to forget, aka drinking my coffee, will only get done once I've done the thing that I committed to do, aka going for a morning run. Yeah. As for you, um, I think, is it Atomic Habits by James Clare? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. There, was, there was one story he put in where it was like about stopping watching telly. It was like, when you're... Um, when you're sort of of sound mind and you can make like a a good decision, it'd be like put it put it was like put the telly in like a cupboard or something so that when so you make it a real ball ache or really difficult to actually go and do the thing that you know you just sort of slump into doing. Yes, um, uh, and um, it's like yeah, I, I like the I like the idea of like either putting something in the way or almost you've got the two options, haven't you? If you want to do something, like either make the thing you want to do really easy and or make the thing that you don't want to do like really difficult to do or you know or you know a little bit of both of those two things potentially but it's yes i I always think the thing was the thing that for for takeaways for people listening and i'm sure some will be a bit like me often read read books like that or you hear these things and you go yes 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 and i'm like yeah but then by the time it comes to for me to put this into action is going to be like later on today when that like and someone will be listening to this podcast now and it'll be like, yeah, I'm going to go and do a few of those things that, 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 that she mentioned. And then, but by the time they're able to go and do the actual action, they'll have lost that sort of like, that that first little bit of like, yeah, I'm going to go and go and go and action one of those things. Like how, have you got any tips for people on like putting these things into action? Because the, yep. the likelihood is we need to do, when we need to do them is when we've probably fallen off the path a little bit and we're not, as motivated or inspired or there's just other stuff going on in our head that actually just take us away from doing the thing that we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the antidote to that is uh, commitment, right? So uh, it's not a, oh yeah, that'd be nice. It's a, no, no, I commit. I commit 100% to doing that one thing and also I'm going to stop stopping. So a lot of thing that people tend to do is they stop doing that they will get excited for a day or two then the novelty wears off and then they stop Mm. so you've got to watch out for this and just commit to stop stopping so you can have reminders on your fridge or your cupboard or wherever it is and just write this up like stop stopping and commit to it as if with the same level of intensity and determination as if you were doing it for that one most important client that you've got. So I keep coming back to that example, but the reason for that is whomever is listening right now has mastered the art of success in one aspect of their lives with no doubt. Everybody has a success story, whether it's your profession, whether it's a beautiful relationship, whether it's how you... you paint, whether it's how you, you know, train your puppy, it doesn't matter. I'm sure everybody has a success story. So embrace and harness that success story and apply it to that aspect of your life that is currently suboptimal. The reason this is important is because it loops you into that positive psychology um, sort of brain recognition of yes I can do it and why I know I can because I've done it before 
Granted, yeah. you've done it before yeah. in a different aspect. But guess what? If you've been successful at one thing, you can be successful at something else. And if you look back, and I would love to invite everybody listening right now to just close their eyes and think about that success story. Think about the ingredients that come into the recipe of the success story. You had commitment. You had determination. You have not stopping you put in the time, you put in the effort. That's the secret ingredients to a recipe that you mastered. And (laughs) the result of that is called success. So apply the same ingredient into the one thing that you're currently not mastering. And guess what? You're going to get successful at it. Amazing. All right, let's um, let's shift gears a little bit, um, Shine. I want to talk a little bit about some of the elements of your coaching approach. Um, and you've got five elements, um, air, water, spirit, earth, and fire. Now, this is one we, we've probably mm-hmm. not got time to go through all of them in, in a huge amount of detail. But there's one which we were, I think is interesting because we've, we've, we've talked about it a lot with our audience and people are sort of on board with it. But let's get into the, the earth one. And you talk about sort of the primal diet. Um, mm. A lot of people will heard us talk about this in the past, but it's always interesting to get other people's perspectives on it. What do you mean by a primal diet and why is that important for people to think about? And, and how does it link into this self-care that we, conversation that we're having? I love that question. Thank you so much for asking. So and be uh, don't be like uh, give us the full uh, story of where <laughs> you used to story? be vegetarian vegan, right? Like so, just so I'll give you the full background, of course. So this idea of connecting back to Earth is also to look backwards, to look forward. There is this tendency with science and technology, which, by the way, I adore and I embrace, to keep always looking forward and looking for the next newest bright thing. But we need to take a moment and to look at our ancestry, to look at our origins, right? There is this tendency to be in denial as to what it took for our ancestors to be what they became. And we are the net result of evolution. So, you know, when we think about how we can optimize our health, we need to look back at how we evolved as the human race. And there is this great tendency to be in denial as to, you know, what it is that we've done to become the human that we are. The reason I'm so passionate about this subject is because I was brought up in a very sort of earthy way. What I mean by that is my mom would cook nose to tail, she would feed me organ, she actually went from breastfeeding to feeding me organs such as, you know, brain, cough, liver, tribes. Um, We were having like a very, very primal type of diet at home. And um, I, I was a very, very healthy child and was a healthy adult. But there was a point where I decided to go on a more spiritual journey. And through that influence... Um, spent some time in ashrams and yogi communities where, you know, veganism and vegetarian was the norm. And of course, as this was taught by masters and teachers that I respected a lot and admired a lot, I tried it on for myself. And it was an absolute disaster. You know, it was, um, I had skin breakout, my hair was not really good, my, I had all sorts of gut digestion issue, um, and I had to face the harsh reality that it was just a diet that was not 
optimal for my health because I wasn't getting the nutrient that I needed. And I reverted back to my sort of default diet that was uh, so lovingly put by my mom, which was to eat a very, very primally. And I became a bit of a an ambassador and a sort of passionate converter for anyone that is currently plant-based and vegetarian to come back to a diet that is animal-based because it really is how we evolved. Um, and of course, there is bad animal product out there and we need to be very uh, conscious of the product that we choose to eat. But there is something very beautiful about connecting with nature and eating in in such um, a natural way, going back to whole food, right? So think of it that way. Can I forage it? Can I hunt it? Or can I fish it? Is if the answer is no, and you can't read the ingredient list, or even there is an ingredient list, and it contains words that you can't even begin to comprehend, um, I would suggest that's probably not food that's designed for human consumption. It's food that's designed to make somebody else very rich and a big company very profitable for sure, but it's probably not going to serve you in the long run, right? So anything that's, you know, long shelf life, plastic wrapped, uh, filled with emulsifier, colorant, additives, it's just poison. Um, so it's really important to go back to a very wholesome, natural food diet and really to also break free from the labels, right? Whether it's keto, carnivore, it doesn't really matter. What matters is nutritional density. Is it, does it have the nutrient that you need as a human to function optimally? Does it contain all the different macros that you need? Does it contain all the vitamins that you need? Does it, does it satisfy you? Does it keep you going? And how often do you crash, right? Because when people embark on that carb roller coaster, that sort of insulin spiking roller coaster, they crash a lot. Whereas I have a very high fat, very high protein diet. And most days I have two meals a day and oftentimes one meal a day and I go for a long extended fasting period in a way that really mimics our ancestors when they were going hunting. And you know, I, I've never had better energy levels as a coach. What I, you know, what I serve my client with is my energy. So it needs to be pretty impeccable. And um, I've never felt more energized than by eating this way. And I've seen incredible success stories through my clients um, switching from a highly processed food diet to a wholesome natural food diet. It's a really interesting thing. I just reflect on some things you're talking and it's, we've now got all these different ways of eating and you mentioned a few there. And I'm thinking back to how people ate um, in, in our ancestors, as you said, and this sort of more primal approach to eating. No one was trying to be a bodybuilder back in those days, or <laughs> no one was trying to be 5% body fat to go on stage or get in shape for a holiday or anything like that because life was kind of active and you had the body that you had and so there were big there were ectomorphs and endomorphs and, and all this sort of stuff but it was it was about eating for survival wasn't it and then mm -hmm. it's, it's become very much sort of uh i don't want to say like industrialized because it's, it's not really the word but we've just become we've modernized it to a point to fit in with way way different priorities that we had back then but actually what was what fuels us most effectively was what we've eaten for 
thousands and thousands, if not, well, however many millions of years we've been here, it's the, the, the time that we've had of these sorts of new sorts of types of eating is just, a, is just an absolute speck in the great history of time. So it's, yeah, it's a really interesting sort of contemplative point. I just, I haven't really got a question off the back of that. It's more just <laughs> verbalising what's going on in my head right now. So thank you. Oh, thank you for sharing. <laughs> There was, there was, I, I do have, I have one sort of specific question that just goes, um, it just goes a tiny bit backwards from, from where the conversation was. But if you're happy to just touch on it, because it, it just was, uh, I'm sure that people might be in, the, in a similar boat. That if you see uh, a friend or a loved one that you like, you talked about that sort of like irritability when someone's like not having been looking after them themselves. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you, and if they're not, if we're not able to see ourselves, I know that if I'm like stressed out and very irritable and something, you know, knocking up some of those signs, if someone then tells me, but in a, they'll be telling me in a loving way that that's where I'm at, it's, they're not going to get the response from <laughs> me because I'm in that state. Have you got any mm-hmm. advice on like, if we're, let's say a friend or a loved one where you're noticing some of those signs, but how do you like tell them? without then getting without them just feeling as yes. getting that getting that backlash does that make sense that's a great so question so i know it's not about the nutrition thing we're about but it's one thing i'd written down that i didn't want to no i, I love thought it would be useful to touch on and i love it and you're completely on point um if you're already in that triggered state you're probably not going to react in the most beautiful way yes. <laughs> right so <laughs> well, it might be beautiful so... <laughs> just a bit it's slightly differently beautiful. right so the best way um to get someone to do that is actually not to be the one that tells them but make them tell themselves what i mean by yeah. that is a bit of a mind trick but you would go hey john well let's say his name is john um <laughs> jacko hey jacko <laughs> Say it to me. Um, you know, I've I've noticed a few a few few changes in your mood and and patterns of behavior. Um, I wonder if it might be useful for you to uh, accept this gift. It's a journal that I bought you, and I thought maybe you might want to you know use it as a mood recorder for yourself and see how you get on. The reason this is a very powerful tool is because you're not telling them what to think and you're not telling them what they think. You're asking them to mood board themselves yeah. to reflect. Now, it's super, super... I'm too busy. I'm too busy to be writing down my things down in a journal. Too busy. Right. Too busy. Well, then then you would say anything that you feel you're too busy to do is exactly when you need to do it. You know, as yeah, Osho yeah, that's, says that's for... That's the truest thing ever, isn't it? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. If you think yeah. you don't have time for meditation, and that's not me saying it, that's a quote from Osho, but mm. if you don't have time to meditate, that's exactly when you need to meditate, right? So mm. same thing for the journal. It would be... Uh, to give it in the most compassionate and loving way and say, you know, um, if you feel like you don't have time, I completely hear you, but now hear me back. Whenever you have that stress or whenever you have a thought that comes up and makes you feel a bit overwhelmed, my invitation is for you to feel that thought, allow it to happen, but write down on that journal three things that you're grateful for in that moment. And the reason for that is because gratitude is the most powerful antidote to anxiety. Genuinely, mm. our brain cannot feel grateful and worried at the same time. It's, it's, it's not really possible. So when the anxiety rise, of course, it can be hard to catch yourself in that moment. But if you have 
a journal and a pen next to you and you feel that anxiety and you sort of pattern interrupt that thinking process and go, okay, I'm just going to be cognizant of the fact that the anxiety is coming up. So I'm just going to interrupt it and I'm going to write three things that I'm grateful for. And they can be very small, you know, or if you have no idea, it can be my heart is beating. Oh, guess what? It's probably a good thing to be grateful for, right? Um, so you can start by reporting gratitude. And I know it's, it's talked about a lot, but it's so powerful and it's often overlooked. If, um, so, and then I guess some other questions off, off that leads us from off the back of that of, you know, you talked about the nutrition side of things of like that being a really important part of how we nourish and look after ourselves. And you had some of those other areas like real sort of, um, yeah, take homes for people. If someone's listening, listening now and they're like, okay, I, yeah, uh, I see, I see some of those things that you've mentioned in me, uh, whether today or at times, what are some of the other tools that we can, um, you know, talk about gratitude there and journey. What are, what are some of the other, like practical tools mm-hmm. that you, you recommend or probably, um, most bang for buck, like what are the, yeah. What are the simplest things to do that that give us the most amount of, um, yes, I guess, well, the opposite of all that stress? Sure. So I think the most powerful tool um, <laughs> that is also the easiest access to because it's always with you is your breath. Um, so a lot of there the- we go, Tim. We hit it. We hit it. Uh, <laughs> we hit it. it, it right, Forty-five minutes of breath. Go. Uh, <laughs> on the clock. Oh, don't no, get no, me I'm started. Joking. I'm passionate no, about no, no. breath work, so I could go on and on, but I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Um, it's it's simply always with with us, right? And it's mm. the one thing that. Um, we actually don't do very well most of the time because we haven't been taught how to breathe well. So, you know, simple things that, are, for example, a lot of people that are really chronically stressed will have a tendency to shallow breathe and to breathe through the mouth, whereas breathing through the nose is really the way to breathe. And you can invite someone to start by doing very, very simple rounds of conscious breathing. So not technically a breath work, but just becoming aware of the fact that they're breathing and replacing any uninvited thought by I inhale and I exhale. So here's the key, uninvited thought. And the reason I stress that is because it's so powerful for anyone listening to realize and perhaps that's a novel concept, (laughs) but you can actually choose your thoughts, right? And so when you use that breath and you choose, I inhale and I excel, and you really choose it with all your commitment and your intention, you can actually slowly but surely become aware that the anxiety is also just a thought. It doesn't really define you. You're not the anxiety. The anxiety is coming up at the thought and the thought leads an emotion and the emotion leads an action or reaction. The action or reaction leads to a behavior which leads into your personal reality, right? So if you pattern interrupt that at the source, which is the thought and hack it by choosing a different thought, you can actually choose a different reality. Um, So... A lot of the time. I just think that mm-hmm. about like, just, just, I think, I think that about, um, happiness, right. In terms of when you're a lot of the time it's, or 
it's, it's easy to be happy when something really good or really nice happens to you. And that might be someone saying something to you or something happens. Or to, but like that's a, an external factor giving you that sense of whatever that is that, that, that makes you feel um, senses of sort of happiness and joy and, and trying, to, trying to understand that actually it's a, it's a choice or it's a, or, and the opposite of the opposite of that happiness, that sort of like worry or whatever else that's, that's going on. Often the thing that's making you feel unhappy is, um, I've, I'm speaking from personal experience now. Um, it's like my thoughts or worries about something that happened before or is going to happen or might happen later. Mm-hmm. And it's actually got nothing to do with what is happening right there in the moment. And it starts to, to steal and rob us of just enjoyment and, and happiness of like the actual context or current um, thing in, in minutes and seconds in life right. that you're actually feeling. Um, yes, and if and I, I don't necessarily, mm-hmm, yeah, I think it's a challenge, but it's a. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think if I can give you my insight on that is that yeah, often um, <laughs> that comes and that happens when we outsource happiness, right? So uh, the mm. reason breathing is so important is because it's exactly the opposite of outsourcing. So it's inward focus and anything that comes from within stays constant. So when you're aware that you can embrace what's within you let go of a lot of those expectations because a lot of the time, if you outsource your happiness, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy if, and you put it conditional upon external events and external set of circumstances, you're constantly um, making your happiness conditional upon events that you can't control. So that's, that's a recipe for disaster, really. Uh, mm. Instead, if you shift your mindset which also is not an event, it's a process, right? Anyone listening thinking, oh, I need to get that done today. Well, no, it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's, it's a progressive thing that will happen through you know, trial and error and, and, and days of patience and compassion towards yourself. But it's about shifting that mindset between outward outsourcing happiness to inward within contentment right? Uh, and, and the breath is your anchor to the now. You see, the anxious mind goes backwards or goes forward. We're thinking about the past or we're thinking about the future. When you are deeply, truly, absolutely in the now, you are actually content. And contentment and being in the now is beautifully served by the breath. The breath is the best anchor that we have into the now. Yeah. Hundred percent, and there's something, you know, uh, we, I guess like we've we've talked about the breath a bit on a few different podcasts um, with like Patrick McKeon, for example, and, the, and Richie Bostock, the breath guy, around like the there is also this there's this relationship between our breathing um, and our nervous system mm. and, and how we manage our stress. So, you know, that's not it's not like an airy fairy like. Um, or thing that we should do that is like it can genuinely change our physiology and ultimately then literally how we feel in the, in that moment. So if people haven't, um, you know, considered that or thought about it, do yeah, we encourage you to to look at that. And there's loads. Yeah, we've had other people on the podcast. You've got you do your you do your own breathwork sessions that people can get involved in. You yes. know, what, what are some of the things that if uh, people are interested in more of your 
Uh, well, Jim, unless have you have you got any more questions, Tim? I was, I was just going to ask about where people can find more stuff. From yeah, no, go for it. I think it's been great. It's, it's um, yeah, there's, 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 I think you've just articulated your thoughts mm. and philosophy beautifully, Charlene. So thank you for <laughs> for sharing this. Some, um, I think people really get a lot out of it, and and it's been great to just have a conversation, which is a bit, you know, this is kind of like a life it's a life thing, right? We, we talk a lot about training and the details of specific parts of training, but I just think none of that matters if we've not got these big rocks sorted first. So I really hope there's going to be some, some, um, this will really resonate with people. And, and yeah, my encouragement just as before Jacko can wrap it up is just for people to, to take action and, and pick something that they're going to take away from this and implement. And, and mm-hmm. as you said, you've mentioned so many important personal qualities and traits around commitment and understanding discipline and structuring our lives around the things and doing them in the right order. And, and I, I remember the, the phrase I wanted to say before was I've, I've heard that thing about doing the hardest thing first is around eat the frog oh, yes, in the morning. Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually so glad you mentioned it because I wanted to invite our audience to so it's a book by Brian Tracy it's called Eat That Frog um, yeah. and it's it's actually where um, a lot of those notions around sort of eating the frog first thing in the morning comes <laughs> I'll add a little funny story very briefly um, <laughs> I find it hilarious because eat that frog in the sense that people should feel repulsed about eating the frog but being French I love eating frogs <laughs> so, what's frog What's frog in French? I feel like I should know it but I don't think I do Grenouille when somebody i was thinking toad for, <laughs> for me when somebody i love that book i really <laughs> it's one of my top recommendation but for me when someone says eat the frog i go mm, yes please <laughs> so, <laughs> i read a book about hey. how marks a few years ago and he, he tells a story about licking a frog in the amazon to get the like the um oh yes, uh, yes there's yes. a toxin off its back to for it for the um Oh, my mind's going completely break now, but basically to go on a trip by licking the back of a frog, I was like, I don't know if that's for me. I'm not sure if that's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this, this will impress you. I was, I was sat in front of, on my grass, barefoot, doing a little bit of breathing, looking at my tiny little pond, but uh, observing two little frogs, having a little conversation. Get, out, get in there, Jackie. Have one tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's not big enough to get me in there, but um, yeah, and I didn't eat them. I, didn't, I felt like it was nicer just to sort of be with them. And just enjoy the moment. I'd, I'd question your discipline and commitment. <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote about it in my journal, so it's all good. Right, this should be the outro. This is the sort of stuff we're supposed to be talking about in our less formal outro. Let's uh, <laughs> yeah. show where can people find yeah, it, you if they want to get some more information and, and to, to get in touch with you. Oh yes, great. Um, well, I'm I'm quite active on on social media, so um, people can find me on Instagram at uh, Charlene Giselle or on my website, and uh, they'll uh, get access to my online classes as well. Um, I do natural high breath work and inner child meditation uh, for group session, and I do also private coaching. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. Well, make sure you head over and. Uh give uh, Charlene a follow and um, you know if you're interested in any of uh, yeah and I know you've got like I'd, I'd actually downloaded one of them uh, you've got a, a number of like free resources like free ebooks as well as obviously those sessions people can get on so oh yes we'll, we'll put the links yeah we'll put the links in the show notes um, so people can get and click straight through um, to your social and to, to your website and uh, yeah head over guys and girls uh, because there's some fantastic stuff on there and I'm sure you're going to get a lot of richness out of it Thank you so much for having me on today. It was such a beautiful moment to share and I was, you know, loving your energy and everything. So I'm really grateful for this um, time shared and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. 
A pleasure, all Thank ours. We've put that much. We've put we've put all our last bit of energy into this. We're gonna we're, we're just probably collapse and burn out now after <laughs> after we sign off. I would have hoped that I've given you some energy. <laughs> yes, no, you have. But I've like then used it all up, giving it back. But yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> There we go then, Tim. I have in front of me got my journal out. I have made some notes and that is so that I can go and take some action from some of those amazing things that uh, uh, Charlene has mentioned in there. And that is my call to action for people. Like, take action. And this comes from my own heart of like, I've listened and read some of these, you know, some of the books that she's talked about. And at the time when I'm lying in the bath reading it, I'm like, yeah. And then the next day comes and I'm like, I've not written it down. I've not actually committed to making taking action. And then it just stays as just a nice idea in my head, but nothing actually changes. So let's take action, people. Do you know one of the things I thought, I thought that she talks about? I'm going to keep this real short because um, just so people have get on with, with um, just reflecting on their own. But one thing that like I think is interesting is some of the things we really want to do are often the things that we don't prioritize. So I want to train. I enjoy training, but I will often sacrifice that for more time in front of my laptop and my computer. And, and in that, that's the thing that she talks about around seeking pleasure in the, in the same thing which provides or can be a source of stress mm. it's just a, I thought this was a really interesting thing that sometimes it's um, we sacrifice stuff which we know makes us happy and that's kind of like just, it's not that naive not, we're not being kind to ourselves in that way so it sounds like, like do the, the um, like eat the frog that we talk about at the end it's um, it hey, shouldn't be difficult I'm drawing the line training session. I'm drawing the line at eating those two little froggies that are in my pond and they made. So I'll draw the line there. But everything else, I'm on board with. Right, let's sign off for this week, Jacko, because that was a it was a long, detailed, and depthy conversation, which uh, which needs some time to marinate. So, um, do you want to do the honors? Uh, yeah, well, just just very quickly, if people haven't gone over to uh, wherever they like to listen to their favourite podcast, um, hopefully ours is one of them. And you know, I know you probably listen to a few. But, you know, let's be honest, ours is your favourite. And if you haven't yet given us a review, we'd really, really appreciate it. I know it's going to take you probably about 38 seconds, but we'd appreciate those 38 seconds to head over, give us a review, give us some thumbs up, give us some stars, five ideally, if or ten, if depending on the, what the star rating is. Uh, but wherever you listen to your podcasts, we would really appreciate that. I was in a really awkward moment recently, just before I sign off. There was a, we were on an all-hands or all-staff meeting at... Um, at British Paris Women and the check-in that day was which is your favourite podcast do you know I guess Jacko out about 26 people how many of them said the School of Calisthenics or the Movement Strength and Play podcast as it's now known how many well I'm hoping that you so there's one um, and, I, and I know for certain I'm not going to name names but I know there's a, there's a few guys there that are big fans of Tim and Jacko so I know that there's like I'm going to say let's say maybe like 18, 19 <laughs> None, not even me, because I felt like it was like a bit self-indulgent if I told them that my favourite oh. podcast was the one that I'm on. Maybe they didn't realise we changed the name. Maybe yeah, they didn't well, realise we changed the name. Yeah, it's all right. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it, I feel the responsibility now that the intro needs to have a little bit of something extra in it because we've become accustomed to sort of waxy lyrical towards the end of these podcasts once the shackles are off and we can let loose. But <laughs> let's get off. These, um, until we next- can do. A, I think we could do a whole series of like just endings. Like the, the the endings could just be a its own its own podcast. Yeah, right. I could be a professional podcast outro person. That's, <laughs> that's really where we yeah. do our best work at the end. 
agreed. Right, until next week, keep exploring your physical potential with movement, strength, play, and personal and professional optimization. Enjoy. Enjoy.